Welcome to Life on Fire with Brody and Deidre Haight. Living a life fully alive. Hello, everybody out there. I am so excited today because it's been a little bit since we did a podcast, but I talked to my friend, Sean Jones, that serves with E3 Ministry, and I am second. And Sean has always inspired me on my journey. I actually met Sean back in 2016, seven years ago, around the time I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, Sean uh, lived in South Africa, and he came to Canada in 2013, about 10 years ago. And he has a crazy, exciting, adventurous story of what God has done in his life. So we welcome you here today, Sean. Hey, Broads. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited, Sean, to have you, like I said. And um, I haven't watched your last podcast on the Toddcast. If you guys don't know what the Toddcast is, I will post it in the links. But a good friend of ours posts amazing testimonies. And Sean actually has a two-part testimony. It's like two hours. <laughs> I think it's 45 minutes per part, if I'm not mistaken. But okay. yeah, there was a great time with Todd. Uh, that That is an incredible man. So Good we're, we're going to make a little bit of a shorter podcast today, and I thought Sean could share some highlights of his testimony of what God has done in his life. Um, when I first met Sean, I was like, who is this guy? He's like, <laughs> Sean is like seven feet tall, and I'm like four feet tall. Well, it makes me feel four feet tall anyways when I'm around him. And uh, yeah, Sean... Yeah. What did you think of me when you first met Dude, me? Dude, that was so funny. Um, I actually met Brody at church. Uh, we just started going to uh, this church called Cornonia and uh, Cornonia Christian Fellowship. And uh, I saw Brody um, sort of pre-service in the congregation, you know, talking with some people. And he was at the information center. And when I saw him, he was in a muscle t-shirt, uh, tattoos all over, if you know what Brody looks like. Um, he's got tattoos and he's got the big hoop earrings. And I thought to myself when I saw him was, oh, that's interesting. Either that guy is lost and he's asking for directions or he's got an incredible testimony. Either way, I want to help him. I want to, <laughs> I want to meet him. So I rushed over to you, to you broads and, uh, introduced myself and, uh, yeah, I'm not quite seven feet. I'm six, six, <laughs> but no, it was a good experience, man. I met you, uh, for the first time and, yeah, I just knew that, man, this guy's going to be used mightily for the mm. kingdom. And uh, and I was right. Oh, thank you, Sean. And I know when I first met you, I loved just how you approached me. You just came up. You just love people. And you came up and, and you're, you're like that wherever you go. Yeah, I really love people, man. Um, it's, it's, it's really a strength that God's given me. So, Sean, what was your life like growing up in South Africa? I know I know a bit, but I would love for the people that are going to listen to this podcast uh, to better understand where you came from. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, I, I mean, I was born uh, in Johannesburg uh, in in a small town in Edenvale. Um, my parents were very young. My mom was 16 when she had me and uh, my father um, was a few years older than her. He was a, a mechanic, um, used to fix um, uh, cars and machines and stuff. And uh, yeah, my mom was, uh, she didn't work at the time, but yeah, they were in love. 
Um, they had me, got married, um, and they moved to a little coastal city in East, uh, called East London on the east coast of South Africa and started their lives um, in, you know, in a different small town uh, in South Africa. And that's where we sort of grew up. And uh, it was an interesting experience in my childhood. Uh, it's, I could just say it like that. Um, my parents struggled with alcohol addiction and uh you know, that brings a lot of challenges, um, you know, to, to a young family growing up. I had uh, three siblings, uh, all brothers, and um, my parents uh, at, an, at a young age, at 11 years old, uh, my parents got divorced and, uh, and, and my mom got together with a, a new man who came into our lives and, yeah, my stepfather uh, – it was an interesting relationship because it, it didn't start well right from the beginning. So we dealt with a lot of um, continued alcohol-related uh, 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 issues and challenges growing up. But you know, God had a plan for our, you know for, for for myself and especially I can't really speak for for all my brothers, but for sure um, he had a plan for for my life. And you know, we went on a journey uh, of, of discovering him. But yeah, life was interesting because the older I got, I started to search for an an identity, and uh, um, I realized that I didn't want to be what my parents were. Um, if that makes any sense, like I didn't want to grow up being like my stepfather, uh, or 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 very much like my my father, my biological father either. Right? Like he was. Uh, we shared some passions. He was very big into racing cars, and I loved cars. Um, but, uh, yeah, he had some, uh, he had some issues w related to, uh, uh, infidelity as well as alcohol, man. And that's never a good, uh, uh, recipe when, you know, you, you're growing up. So, um, I, I pursued sports a lot as a young kid in South Africa. Uh, we're a rugby crazy nation like Canada is for hockey. We, we are the same for rugby. And, uh, so did you, you played rugby? Yes. Um, actually, it's a funny story. Not in school. Uh, in school, I played basketball. I was a really good basketball player. Um, very tall. So obviously, that helped me uh, go far in basketball. And the older I got um, growing up, the, the less basketball seemed to be an option for me just because, uh, you know, as a career or as, as something to do with basketball afterwards, there was no real professional league in South Africa. So I started playing rugby at a late uh, age uh, after high school. I, I joined a club and I was quite surprised how good I was. I was, I was pretty good. I was a very fast um, mobile uh, 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 rugby player. Um, I was pretty quick. I joined uh, a few club teams and and I had some relative good success, right? I poured my life into, into rugby. I, I had a passion um, uh, to, to become a pro rugby player. Like I, I really wanted to see how far I could take it because, uh, uh, it's a difficult place to, to make it. Um, in South Africa, rugby, uh, you know, if most of the kids that make it in the pros are, are very, come from very wealthy parents and that wasn't my story. Um, so I, I really felt like I, I had a lot to dedicate myself to, you know, I was, uh, a very hard worker, um, uh, I made a couple of uh, I made a couple of teams um, growing up, um, but never really got close to being invited 
you know, to to a tryout for the pros or anything like that. And until one year, um, one of the coaches actually approached me and uh, offered me an opportunity to come and play for the first division club club team. And but it would require me to change my position, you know, from the back line to the forwards, which is uh, if anyone knows what rugby is, the backs and the forwards. It's <laughs> like either you have fun in the back line, scoring tries and doing the fun stuff, or you're a hard worker in the forwards. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't too keen on the idea, but he he sort of dangled the carrot and uh, said, "Well, there's an opportunity for you to play first uh, first team if if you if you give this a try. So think about it." So I came back. We tried out for the rugby team. Um, I tried out in the in the forwards, and believe it or not, man, I was pretty good. I, I ended up. Uh, making the team for Old Solbornians, um, uh, the Old Solbornians uh, first team rugby uh, side, and I played as lock, uh, which is first jumper, uh, number four. And we had an incredible first season uh, playing first division rugby um, in South Africa. Uh, we had an we were an undefeated team the whole year. We we ended up winning the championship that year, and. I had an invite to go and try out for the um, uh, for the pro team for the uh, Border Bulldogs, uh, which was a huge honor because uh, you know I really poured everything I had into that um, experience and uh, yeah uh, I went in for trials. I got selected to be on the farm team on on the 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 second team for for the Border Bulldogs and. Uh, Man, I think I played about two games for them, and afterwards I had a very serious car accident. Um, and uh, you know, after the car accident, I had some severe head injuries, um, several stitches in my head, I had my elbow sticking out of my arm. I got a nasty big oh scar. <laughs> it was a really bad accident, and uh, I didn't fully, uh, I didn't get my my position back um, after the accident. Right, like I, I, I got sort of dropped from the team, and. Uh, uh, I had a long road to recovery, and uh, I felt kind of like my identity was taken away. Yeah. So from what I understand, growing up, you had a really hard relationship with your dad mm. and started finding somewhat of your identity in athletics and in sports. I can definitely relate to that. Um, but then this accident really just kind of shook that core. Yeah, it, it really it turned my world upside down. And uh you know, I found myself in a very difficult place because um, we, you know, when you when you 100% pour yourself into something and it doesn't work out, there's no plan B, right? Like, well, the plan B, you know, was an option, you know, that led down a path where I'd become like my parents were, you mm. know, and so I wasn't too interested in that. But yeah. uh, and I'm sure many people out there can relate to your story mm. with a broken home, hurt, yes. pain, um, maybe issues with their fathers or mothers. Yes, yes. Um, and if it's anything like my, my story, I know I grew up with like a lot of rejection, um, trying to like not only find my identity in, in different things, but try to find love. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right, man. It's, uh, you know, the, the, my teammates in the rugby, uh, uh, in the team were like my brothers, right? You know, these guys um, meant the world to me and those are the people I spent all my time with. And, uh, and you know, and that's not always a good thing because I remember a saying one of my rugby coaches used to say, uh, 
you know, to try and get me out of trouble, he'd give me advice. He'd say things like, you know, if you hang around with a dog with fleas, you'll get fleas, mm. you know. And that that comment stuck with me and, and reminded me that, hey, man, if I'm hanging around with guys that are just drinking every weekend and doing bad stuff, I tend to follow what they're doing, you know. And so something that I was, uh, even though maybe too young to fully – appreciate but uh something that always stuck with me mm. so then. how how far um like was this recovery in the accident and did it send you into like a depression or uh yes i would i would i wouldn't say a full-blown uh, uh depression um i was very fortunate to have uh my wife along uh, uh, on my side alongside me and and she really walked through the experience with me and you know we had just started going to church um we were very new Christians, um, and you know, my whole life growing up as a kid was so difficult and so hard, and I endured so many things. And I was kind of angry with God, not even knowing that I was angry with God. And when the rugby thing happened and the accident and, and that opportunity was taken away from me, I, I kind of put that on God as well, right? Like I just started stacking things. And uh, uh, Isabel, my beautiful wife. Um, was so important, um, you know, to, to my recovery, not just physically, but, uh, uh, mentally and emotionally. Um, and, uh, I started to see the, you know, the, the whole incident, in, you know, in a different lens, mm-hmm. uh, I started to see it as, um, a second chance that God's giving me to do something, wow. you know, that he's called me to do rather than something that I selfishly wanted for myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, or, you know, meeting my wife, um, we actually met uh, in Dubai. That's part of my testimony, which I shared on the podcast. But, you know, we met in Dubai. I think it was in 2001, 2002. Oh, sometimes I get the dates mixed up. But, uh, uh, you know, I met her. She was singing in a, in a Canadian band, a seven-piece band. And uh, they were touring all over Europe, Asia, and, and, and singing in five-star hotels, you know, cover band, uh, singing, you know, wow. top 20 hits. You um, meant like a famous person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was really uh, well-known, you know, on uh, in on the circuit that they were doing. Um, the band was called Westside, Westside Band, and uh, she was one of three, uh, one of the three singers in the band. And, uh, yeah, incredibly talented woman. Um uh, yeah, we met in Dubai. I fell in love. Uh, I was uh, uh, quite a cheesy dude back then, <laughs> using lame uh, flirtation techniques, which apparently I, don't work I, on anyone except Isabel. I know you shared uh, some of them with me, but can you share one of those lines that you use with the viewers? Uh, maybe it'll give you guys some hope. <laughs> yeah, all if I can it, say if it is, for Sean, it can work for you. Yeah, all I can say is, if God's got a plan for you and a, and uh, and a fine young lady, don't worry about it. You can't mess up what God has preordained. <laughs> uh, but no, I used to make her cocktails, man, and and uh, I was not a good bartender. I, I got that job purely because I played very good basketball, and uh, I got recruited by um, the hotel. Uh, GM who actually chose uh, a staff personally handpicked a staff for this nightclub in Dubai. And uh, I don't even know how I got into the interview, man. I had no bar experience, but uh, he saw how tall I was and uh, he read on my resume that I played basketball. So he asked me if I was any good. I said, yes, I am. So he said to me, pack your bags, 
uh, you come into Dubai, you'll play for the Crown Plaza owns a team. And, wow. Uh, you know, I'm going to recruit you to play in the basketball team and I'll give you a job. You know, you can work in the evenings in one of our bars. Um, so he stuck me in the nightclub where Isabel was singing mm. and uh, I played basketball for them on weekends. Um, I was one of their top players. It was a really great experience, man. It was really, really, uh, I highly recommend kids uh, when you finish up with high school and, and you want to do something before you get into studies, take a year off and do some traveling. And uh, I really found, uh, well, I met my wife there, right? So mm. I'm, I'm super grateful for how God used me in that time. Even though I'd, I wasn't walking with him in those early days, uh, I believe he had a plan for me and for Isabel to meet. But wow. yeah, it was, it was really cool. She, um, man, she was just spectacular. She was breathtaking. I didn't even think I had a chance, but I used to make her cocktails and send her corny little gifts, like little heart candies and stuff <laughs> like that. And, and she thought it was very, uh, endearing. <laughs> she, she, she thought I was cute. And, uh, how long was this going on for this pursuing? Um, back and forth, probably a couple of days. And, uh, then I just mustered up the you know the 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 gusto to ask her you know she wanted to go on a date and we did we went out spend a a day together and uh, we just loved each other's company and uh, we started dating um, and that we dated for about six months because uh, she had a three month contract at the at the nightclub uh, singing with the band um, after three months it was such a big success that the GM uh, decided to extend their contract by another three months. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she stayed, uh, an extra, so she was there for six months in total and, uh, and we were dating, uh, during that time. So yeah, it was a really great experience. Um, she continued, uh, traveling with the band. Um, she went to, I believe it was Jakarta next and, uh, uh, she carried on with her tour. Um, I finished up in Dubai after a year and I flew back to South Africa where, we had planned to to reunite hmm. in South Africa and get married. Wow. Hello, if you are feeling encouraged or inspired, we want to invite you to become a monthly partner with us. The information is going to be in the description below. We just want to continue to love God and love people in whatever way we can. Enjoy listening. Wow. And uh, and that's what she did, man. I was so grateful that uh, you know the plan stays, yeah. <laughs> stayed together. <laughs> it was preordained. Yeah, it was preordained. I, 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 I give God all the credit, man. Wow, he's, he knows what he's doing. And I can relate because uh, Deidre also, also being a singer. When I met her, she sang for me, and wow, <laughs> blows you away. It, yeah, right? it just, yeah, it just got me. It just there really is something beautiful. Like for me, the attraction wasn't even so much her beauty. It was when someone's so gifted and so talented and they're walking in their gifting, there's something so attractive about that, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, it could be anything. It could be synchronized swimming, uh, you know. You're good at that. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only sport I don't watch in the Olympics, but I like all the other sports. No, I'm kidding. But w when someone's excellent at what they do, I already have a strong appreciation for that, and uh, uh, and and I really like that. And and her gift was so powerful. Um, she was really able to control, uh, uh, you know, a complete audience. Like she could really control the stage and 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 uh, and really fill the room, right? And little did we know, but those were the early 
days where she was gaining lots of experience mm. that would serve her well in the church when she took her gifting and and gave it to God. Yeah. And uh, so that was pretty cool. But, yeah, we dated for six months, flew to South Africa. She came back. We got married. And uh, I had uh, – we had a honeymoon baby. <laughs> My first kid, Asasia, was born. And, uh, yeah, and life was – very, very interesting in those early days in South Africa, brother. Wow. Mm. So coming from this this home into this now beautiful family, you started to form uh, your identity again. Yes, yes. Those early days um, of being married to Isabel, we still weren't Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the way <laughs> in South Africa, it's a very Christian country, but uh, you can't just get married unless you um, – you know, unless you are a pastor, uh, uh, sorry, unless you go to a church or you know a pastor, right? So uh, my mom uh, was friends with one of the pastors at a Baptist church called Quigney, Quigney Baptist. And uh, uh, Pastor Dave Ganetsky, a very special and dear friend to us, um, agreed to marry Isabel and myself, but only under one condition if we promised to come to church. Oh, you're a bribe. <laughs> <laughs> I was bribed. Uh, I love that guy, man. He's such an incredible man of God. And uh, uh, Pastor Dave, um, he married us. He was disappointed because we didn't go to church after getting married. It took some time. God was working on our hearts. But uh, eventually we did, you know, get, you know, we, we eventually did get uh, into into church and started attending. Um, uh, but early days, man, I didn't know what I was doing there. I was just like, <laughs> Man, I shouldn't be in here. I'm gonna burn. <laughs> yeah. What are <laughs> what are what are some uh, like key moments um, in these early years of you really coming to faith? Yeah. Besides being lit on fire. Well, I we met a family in this church who invited us home, and and we had a lot of questions about faith, and and they answered some of these questions and explained. Um, you know, how we could give our lives to the Lord um, by saying a prayer and, and making a decision, you know, to walk with Jesus, which is what we did. And they led us to Christ. Um, and roughly, I know a lot of people remember the exact day, but to be honest, in my early days, I was doing it because my wife was doing it, you know, and more because she wanted me to, you know, change, I suppose. And uh, uh, so, I gave my heart to the Lord, but not fully, if that makes any sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then what what happened next, Broads, was really something that defined our lives, right? We were we were being prepared for a very uh, big big ordeal in our lives, you know. Um, I just, you know, we had a baby; she was twelve months old, and uh, part of the, the 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 story is still quite difficult to talk about because. We ended up um, staying in South Africa, and Isabel didn't have uh, the correct paperwork. She was, mm. um, you know, after we got married, we went to our home affairs department, only to find out that uh, the, um, you know, that they didn't give us the right information about the paperwork. Right, like she mm. needed a visa, um, but uh, it needed she didn't need a visa, but she needed a form that had to be filled out. Um, because she was married to me, and they didn't tell us about this. She, they just told us she didn't need any visa, and she was fine in the country. 
and being naive and young and dumb, I, I didn't question that. I just assumed they knew what they were talking about. And, uh, uh, you know, and after we got married, uh, you know, we lived for two years in South Africa, you know, without the right paperwork. And so when that finally caught up to us, um, Isabel ended up getting deported and uh, sent back to Canada. And that oh was gosh. very sudden and unplanned. And uh, it was difficult because we had a baby now and the baby was 12 months old, still breastfeeding. And uh, mom was here one day and then gone the next. You know, she had she was given 48 hours to leave the country and uh, otherwise she would be arrested. Um, so I had to buy her a plane ticket, um, send her back to Canada. And uh, I was so angry about the whole ordeal because, you know, I went in for the advice. I did everything right in my opinion. And uh, and I just felt like South Africa let me down, you know, the or the Home Affairs Department let me down. Um, but, yeah, I was not thinking very clearly. Uh, I was super angry about the whole thing. I quit my job. I decided if this is how we're going to be treated, I'm just going to move to Canada. Um, I ended up driving to Pretoria where the Canadian embassy is and went to go and get a visa. And uh, I was shocked when I got there because um, the embassy, the Canadian embassy did not authorize a visa for me. They they did not like the whole story. They felt like this is – uh, this is not uh, the kind of person they want. You know, they, they, the lady who I dealt with was very cold and, and very difficult to deal with, but she um, she denied me a visa uh, to go to Canada to be reunited with my wife and uh, to bring baby back to, to Isabel. So it was quite devastating. She said that she would give a, uh, uh, she would grant permission for the baby to go to Canada, but we'd have to send baby with the airline, you know, just, and just, yeah, it was wow. shocking because, you know, Asatia, our, our daughter, was already so traumatized by, you know, not having mom, you know, there and all of a sudden, you know, to send her with the airline, you know, she would be, you know, she wouldn't have me Just either. by herself. Yeah, and it's, a, it's, a, it's such a long flight. It's like 25, 26 hours, the flight, right, yeah. with several uh, layovers. So I just wasn't prepared to do that. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, uh, and then we started this fight, this journey. Uh, we went on this fight, man, uh, to to reunite my family. And uh, this this really took a toll on me. Um, I was unemployed, living in my brother's house. Um, and uh, just, you know, sharing my news publicly. I'm a very private person, so I didn't enjoy that. Um, but I needed the the media to be on my side. So we shared our story in the newspapers. There were several, uh, we had several front page newspaper articles about what the embassy had did, done to us and, and, and how much um, trouble it's caused and separated my family. Um, and eventually after some serious pressure from the uh, radio station, as well as the newspaper, uh, these guys reached out to me, um, the South African Home Affairs, and uh, they were very aggressive. They reached out and and threatened to you know to sue me, and they gave me a huge fine, wow. threatened me to stop you know you know with these stories, these this bad news stories against them, um, and uh, they eventually decided they will do something to try and help the situation, but. Uh, their help or their their agreement was to reunite baby and mom 
by allowing Isabel 48 hours to come into South Africa, fetch the baby, uh, to fetch my daughter, and to fly back to Canada. And leave you. Yeah, and, and I'd be stuck in South Africa. Mm. Uh, it was the best that we could we could do at the time. And although it wasn't what I wanted, I knew that I had to get baby back with mom. And mm. uh, so I agreed to the, these terms. Um, and uh, after four months of separation from you know, Isabel, the baby was finally reunited with, with Isabel, you know, Isabel flew into South Africa and, uh, it was a very difficult, uh, it was a very, very difficult experience, right? Like I, I met Isabel, uh, gave her the baby. She had 48 hours again to, to come into South Africa, fetch baby. I'm, I was able to spend uh, a day and a bit with her and, uh, then they had to leave again. And, Again, man, I just started piling on the reasons to be angry with God, right? Like, you know, just seemed like everything I worked so hard for in my life got taken away, right? And uh, so your faith was, oh man, it was it was low to begin with, but mm. it was really in the toilet now. I, yeah. I can honestly say, um, if I wasn't so angry at God, I wouldn't have believed in God at all. But I, I just used to feel anger towards him in those early days. Um, uh, just very depressed, man. My wife and child flew back to Canada and uh, I was now stuck in East London, jobless. I'd had no job. Um, my story was all over the newspapers. Uh, I found it very difficult to go out into public um, just because every time I'd go out into public, uh, people would ask me about my family and and how you know how the situation was it was it resolved and so like everybody knew you wherever oh, you went the grocery everyone, store or the yeah all the groceries like it's a small town right yeah. so everyone sort of knows everyone's business but uh, uh yeah my story was very public and uh, uh and and it was hard to talk about right so I didn't like going out in public anymore I used to stay home by my brother's house and just never leave my bedroom. I, I was just in the deepest, deepest depression. And uh, I even stopped playing rugby. Um, <laughs> actually, after a rugby game, um, one of my friends uh, on the rugby team uh, asked me about my family, uh, which most guys knew not to do, right? Like uh, this was so emotional for me. And rugby was uh, a place for me to vent and and to pour out my anger on the field and i was a lethal weapon back then right because i used to be so angry about the whole situation and then go and play a rugby game um six foot six can you imagine a six foot six angry sean and you playing rugby against me it wasn't <laughs> no, I good i like the, the save. Often, i like the save sean yeah often <laughs> I, I used to you know take red cards in those early days uh and and get sent off for uh Foul, foul play but anyway um yeah it was a tough time i was living at my brother's house uh now separated from my wife and my child and uh jobless like just didn't i just wanted to die man yeah. i just i was just you know had no purpose no more identity um and uh my brother was quite worried about me i never left the room uh you know and then one afternoon broads i, I I just decided to pray. I just decided I'm going to talk to God, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to give him a chance. Maybe it's maybe I'm being punished because of, you know, what a bad person I was, you know, growing up. And I just felt like, okay, 
God, if you are real, that you need to show yourself to me right now. You need to do something about my situation because it was going on 10 months now that I was separated from my my wife and uh, and my baby. And uh, I, just, I, I just didn't want to live anymore. And so I prayed and I said, God, if you're real, now's your chance. Like you need to show me and you need to do something because I'm ready and I'm done. Like do something. Wow. And, uh, and then I left it. Um, probably a couple of days went by and my brother. So just to give you the backstory, my brother lived on a little farm community home, uh, outside of town, right? About a 30 minute drive outside of the city, you know, uh, these are farmlands. This is, you know, there's not a lot of houses out there in, the, in these sort of farm territories. Like you um, lived in the bush. <laughs> not the bush exactly, <laughs> but uh, but we, we had a street with about 10 homes on and there's mostly farmers, uh, mm. farm staff that lived on, you know, on this one street in the middle of nowhere. Um, and my brother, I don't know how he got one of those houses. He was renting a house over there and uh, he liked it because it was out of town and he didn't like the city life. He, he wanted to be on a on a farmland property. Um, and so I was living with my brother and uh, he had a knock on the door and it was some youth pastor that came to uh, pasta is, is not a food just to clarify my <laughs> accent. Pasta is a pastor. <laughs> uh, uh, That's funny. Yeah. That comes up every now and then, but anyway, youth pastor, came into my brother's house, knocked on the door and asked if he could pray for me. And uh, my brother wasn't sure if that was a good idea, but he knocked on my door anyway and, and at least asked me if, you know, if I would be interested in having some strange guy come into the house and pray for me. Um, <laughs> and uh, I recalled the prayer that I just, you know, said, you know, to God a, a few days ago and, and I asked him to reveal himself and then, you know, this guy just rocks up at my house. So I figured, okay, maybe God's using this guy to communicate to me, you know, or to, to do something. So like, who was this guy? He was a random, strange looking, incredibly weird looking man. He was, now this is an important part of the stories that I have to tell you. Um, he, he had a funny crooked nose. He, he had a hunchback sort of a little bit hunched over a very bad, skin like an acne problem um he looked like the closest thing i can describe is like an alien like hmm. he, he was a very peculiar looking man right? sounds like lord of the rings or- <laughs> yeah he looked like Gollum. <laughs> yeah. oh my uh, gosh. but a very peculiar looking man and uh this guy came in prayed for us um uh, and uh you know he asked me um sean would you be prepared to tie, uh, not to tie, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we eventually get there. No, he said, would you be prepared to uh, fast with me? Wow. And I was like, well, I am giving God a chance. You know, I don't know what fasting is, but I'm prepared to do anything. I told him, I was like, listen, brother, like you need to know. I'll just pray to God and ask him to give me a sign and to show himself. I'm prepared to do anything to get my family back. I don't know what fasting is, but I'll do it. And he explained to me what it was, and uh, and and we did a water and food fast for a week, um, abstain from water and uh, food during the day, and just have uh, uh, we agreed on um, water in the evenings at after a certain time, 
um, and one meal, like just to, you know, something small to sustain, uh, so I didn't go crazy. But um, he explained this to me. We both agreed to do it. and uh, I thought it was crazy, man. I really thought it was nuts, but I was prepared to give God the chance, and I took it very serious. And this was a Sunday night, and we started the fast on the Monday, and he said one week. So after he left, um, I was kind of frustrated because I didn't get his phone number, and I was, wasn't was sure how we were going to follow up on, with one another. But anyway, I figured he probably lives in one of the houses down the road because he didn't rock up at our house, you know, in a car or anything. He was just, just came and knocked on the door. So I thought, oh, he's probably one of the guys that lives in the house uh, down the street. Um, and uh, I fasted day one, day two, day three, no results yet, no results. Um, and then Friday came and, and I started to wonder, is this, is this a, is this a five, is this a one week fast, like a, a business week? Is this a Monday to Friday week that he was talking about? Yeah, is this guy ever going to show up? Yeah. Is he, is he coming back? Like is, is the week over on Friday or is it a full, like a, a seven day week, right? Like a Saturday, Sunday as well. I was so naive. I had no clue what fasting or how this thing works, but um, when he didn't show up on, on uh, when he didn't show up on Friday, um, I assumed, okay, it's probably a seven-day fast, right? Like a seven-day week. And so I fasted the Saturday and the Sunday. And still, after Sunday, no results. Nothing happened. And I was angry, man. I was angry because God had a chance to, you know, to do something in my life, to 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 rescue me, and, and I just felt like he didn't. Yeah. And I, I was so angry at this pastor because, you know, seven days later, he didn't even phone me or check up on me. You know, he just, you know, came, prayed for me and just agreed left. to fast, and he just left. And uh, so I was pretty angry. I remember going to bed that Sunday night. I was drinking, uh, went to bed, had a hangover on Monday, and a phone call from the South African uh, Home Affairs Department. They called me up and asked me for a meeting immediately. They wanted to help me, and I couldn't believe it. Now I was terrified because I said some pretty mean things to God on Sunday night (laughs) and not realizing that, you know, at the end of the fast, like, give God a chance, man. Like, the Home Affairs, they're not working on a Sunday night. Like, give them a chance. They're going to call you in the morning. But I wasn't thinking straight, right? But, um, yeah, they called me up, and uh, I went in for a meeting with these guys. And I couldn't believe it. These guys, they changed their tone completely. The person that I wanted to speak to, Mr. Lekay, which was the head of the Home Affairs Department at the time, he was a guy that I had no access to. All of a sudden, he's the one asking for the meeting. I went in with the newspaper reporter who came with me to be a witness to what was being discussed this man was so incredible. All of a sudden, the the tune had changed completely. He was saying, "Sean, we are so sorry. Like, tell me the whole story. What happened? We want to help you. Um, give me forty eight hours, and I'm going to have the whole mess uh, turned around. Like, wow. I'm going to I'll have your wife's criminal record um, uh, uh, expunged. expunged. Um, I will have permission uh, for her to come back uh, immediately." You know, the, the fine that they they find you, we will we will expunge the fine it's as like well. Everything was being reversed. everything would be reversed, and um, I couldn't. I sat there in in the chair in the home of, home affairs office, and I bawled. I cried like a baby, and I was terrified. Yeah, because <laughs> I realized, okay, God is really real. 
And are you and thinking at this time, like, who is this yeah. Gollum guy? The Gollum pastor, I was very angry with. Now I wanted to kiss his feet, yeah. right? Like, now I just wanted to thank him and, 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 praise him for for yeah. doing what he did for me and uh, I, I couldn't wait to get home to go and look for him mm. um I, I got back home i asked my brother you know this pastor which house does he live in and my brother looked at me he's like i don't know like i don't i've never seen that guy and i said to him gareth you've been living here for how long like you might he he's a, he's the strangest looking guy i've ever seen it was like surely he you must have seen which house he lives in said, no, man, I don't know which house he lives in. So I went knocking, it was about 10 houses, and I knocked on every single door uh, to try and ask questions about this pastor, and nobody knew who I was talking about. And it was easy to describe what he looked like because he was so strange. I'm telling you, Brody, every single house that I knocked at, every single guy said the same thing. He's not yet. We don't know who that is. We don't know who that is. Angel. I'm pretty sure of it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty positive he probably wasn't even a human. He was yeah. probably an angel from heaven. Like yeah. this isn't uh and that scared me even more, right? <laughs> yeah. So my wife did fly back to South Africa two days later. Um man, it was such an exciting re reunion. And uh first thing I told her was uh this testimony that I'm sharing with you now. And I said, Listen, I don't know, but we we are not missing a Sunday, like we're going to church. Mm. Like immediately. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, my big defining moment, you know, and coming, really coming to God, right? Like he yeah. had my heart completely after that and, and I lived to serve him. Wow. Um, I, I went on a journey to find out, you know, what my calling was yeah. um, and through a cool experience, um, you know, he, he, he put some key people in my life. Um, one of those people was a, uh, somewhat of a mentor to Isabel and myself, uh, Renee and Madeleine, okay. who are very close friends of ours and spiritual friends of ours. We rented an apartment on their property and they were instrumental in our walk with God in the early days because they really taught us a lot about, you know, faith and what it means to follow the Lord. Yeah. And uh, one year he actually called me up and said, Hey man, God gave me a, a, a dream, a vision of you know, what he's calling you to do. And uh, I was so excited, man. We met with him um, over a Christmas period, uh, went down to their farm, and uh, all I wanted to do was hear what it was, right? What's the calling? What's this dream? What's this vision? And he shared. He said, look, Sean, um, God's going to open the doors to Canada for you. You're going to Canada, and uh, uh, you're going to do a great thing for God's kingdom. Isabel's going to be back in a worship team. Uh, Sean, you're going to be in a ministry. You guys are going to buy a house. Um, God's going to bless you with the the resources to buy a home. Wow, he uh, had a dream of all this. Yeah, and and he said you're going to be working in in a ministry. You're going to be planting churches, speaking to thousands of people. And I just when I mean. I don't know if you've ever had a penicillin uh, uh, IV. <laughs> I've had it when I was sick once when I was a kid, and it's like cold in your veins. Mm. I just I froze, and I couldn't believe what he was saying. It sounded so ridiculous to me. Yeah, but, like uh, really speaking things that just seemed so. It like, was how it was. This guy sounded like he was from the moon. I, yeah. I mean, I laughed out loud when he said it. I actually kind of felt bad, like I was being disrespectful. But uh, yeah, he 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 shared this, and then. You know, God's got this sense of humor. <laughs> uh, 
where you know he just slowly started unpacking and 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 answering these things one thing at a time you know a few months after this prophetic word um god opened the doors for our trip to to canada you know we'd been trying yeah. for 10 years to get into canada with no you know god there was no open door so one by one all of these one words by one just every started. single one of these things started coming to be and uh that's what led me to canada uh, i arrived here in canada and uh God blessed us with the opportunity through a friend to to buy a home. Uh, so he answered that part of the testimony. Isabel was back in the worship team, worshiping at church. Um, and then I was on this run, man. Every time I met someone that did church planting, I, <laughs> I used to I used to shy away from it and uh, and be on the run. And this happened with two or three people. And then Jeremy Dorton. Uh, our mutual friend. Yeah. Uh, I met him at this church, Cornelia, where where I started attending. Yeah, this guy, Jeremy Dorton, really messes up your life. He, when he you does, him. when he gets his hands on you. <laughs> but he was the only friend I had in Kitchener. I just We just moved here. And, uh, man, I was on the run from these uh, church planting missionary guys. And I was distressed because every time I ran from one of these guys, it took a, a piece of me, right? Like it, it really hurt me because I felt like I'm disappointing God. Uh, every time I run away from one of these guys. So God is calling you deeper into ministry, like to serve. Yeah. yeah. And you're feeling a little pressure, man. Pressure, like, like, I, I'm like, I don't have a theology degree. I'm a, you know, yeah. I'm a sales guy. Uh, I'm a rugby player. Yeah, washed like up rugby. God, how, how can God, God use, use me? Yeah. yeah. But uh, Jeremy um, took me out to lunch and uh, you could see this was weighing heavy on me. And I didn't really know a lot about Jeremy. I knew he was, a, uh, I knew he worked in a ministry. I had no idea what the ministry did, but uh, he saw something was bugging me and we went out and I shared what I just shared with you. And, uh, and then he started laughing. He said, you know, Sean, you know what I do, right? And I said, no, I know you're a missionary. Like you, you, I am second testimonies and stuff. And he said to me, no, no, I am second Yes, that's part of the ministry and what we do. But uh, he's like, I work for E3. And I'm like, E what? He's like, E3, evangelize, equip, establish. <laughs> and I was like, establish what? He's like, the local church. I'm a church, church planting missionary. Wow. So I just, <laughs> in that moment, couldn't believe that, you know, I keep running from these guys. And then God sends the only friend I have in Kitchener. And he's also a church planting missionary. So I figured like, okay. Before God sends a whale to swallow me, I better listen and I just better submit, right? And uh, Jeremy was great because he was like, "Don't you don't have to quit your job. Like, just come and serve, volunteer with us, and and see if you like it." And that's what I did. Started, uh, <coughs> excuse me, started volunteering and uh, just man, I just came alive doing this this you know evangelizing and sharing God's word and. Speaking to thousands of people, right, and uh, and that's what we do now with I am second. You know, we, uh, you know, we serve to bring the message of uh, restoration, redemption uh, through testimonies across the world, and God's using this ministry, you know, to to bless millions of people, millions and millions of people across the world. Wow. Um, so I'm so blessed and and feel <laughs> the pressure, the pressure, man, like. God's given me this big call, uh, and I better not mess it up. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's I'm honored to be where you know to be in the position I am. Yeah.
And you're not going to mess it up because God's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's doing all the work. Yeah. I'm just the vessel. But uh, it's, yeah, it is it's crazy true. the things God calls us to because they're so much bigger than we can ever imagine. And he only really gives us a taste, but it's going to be even bigger. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm just so inspired. I've heard parts of your story. And I know many people can relate uh, coming from homes where they're not feeling loved a lot of people out there, including myself, fall into uh, drinking or drugs. Mm. Um, and a lot of people come to Jesus and then go through hard times like you mm. did. Yeah. And trying to find their identity. And sometimes we try to find it in marriage. We try to find it in sports. We try to find it in sometimes even in church. We try to find it in all these different things. And the story that I continue to hear over and over since I've been a believer, at some point, we fully give our lives to Jesus. Mm. We fully surrender and we find this true living relationship of hope. Mm. And it sounds like that's what you found, your, your identity yeah. in Christ. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things since you've come to Christ, you've, sh you've shared some of the key highlights, moments, but what has he changed like a, over, over this time frame in your character? Mm. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, God gave me a new heart, right? Because I always felt like the world owed me something because I had such a difficult start. Uh, I felt like my childhood was robbed. Uh, I didn't, I felt like, you know, I've missed out on so much. Um, and so God gave me this new heart, this this unselfish heart, right? This heart of the world doesn't owe me anything, right? But I owe God everything. And I have to, you know, change the way I was perceiving this opportunity I have to be a blessing on earth, right? To do, you know, to walk and talk and be the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, what a calling, what a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing to be, right? And and so God gave me a new heart. Uh, he gave me new eyes to see, um, you know, my opportunity here on earth in a different lens and, you know, to see it through his, his eyes, mm. And uh, and this has changed completely who I am. I uh, I used to be an angry guy, a, a pretty negative person. I used to always see the glass half empty. Now, I mean, you you got a small taste of who I was when you first met me, right? Yeah. I'm just That's so true. in love with people. I just love people. <laughs> I, God's given me a love for His people and especially broken people, like mm. people that really need a change in their lives, mm. right? That's why I feel like. Uh, you know, serving with I Am Second is is such a special thing. It's spectacular because we use the power of testimonies. You know, we use people's stories in their lives, you know, of a time where they were walking without God and where things were so difficult and and people are desperate for a change. Yeah. And then giving God an opportunity and opening your heart and saying, you know, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to pursue you maybe for for selfish reasons in the beginning but mm -hmm. god can take any heart yeah and change it and change it and that's what he did with me in my life um brother my life has been a, an example and a lot to many of my family and my friends there's some people that are still <laughs> they can't believe that this is the same sean jones right mm -hmm. i'm a radically changed person um what would you say sean to people out there that have went through like similar things you've went through. Um, yeah. Here's what I would say, Brody. I would say this. God loves you 
even though you might not feel like he does. He loves you and he 100% does not want you to suffer, but he wants you to turn to him and give him a chance, mm-hmm. to, you know, to work in your life. Yeah. And when, uh, when you take the, the bold step to, 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 to do this, to give him a chance, uh, I encourage you, be, be completely open-minded about it and, and open your heart up to that opportunity and really uh, seek God with all your heart, like seek him and see if he doesn't do something radical in your life. Like I didn't rub a, a lamp and a genie came out and answered three wishes. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I just gave the creator of, of the whole universe mm-hmm. an opportunity, you know, to, to, to come into my heart and to do something radical in my life. And I believe he will do that for anyone who's truly seeking him. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say also, don't discount yourself. I, I ran from God's calling in my life for many years because I didn't feel like I was a Christian enough person to do what he called me to do. But God, man, if if you don't submit and answer to to God's call in your life, he'll use a donkey, man, to, to deliver a message. We see that in the Bible. Like yeah. he'll use anyone. The rocks will yeah. cry out to him if we don't worship him. Like guys, we have to start to... We, we need to stop um, missing opportunities to, to do God's will uh, because we feel like we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why he's wanting to use us is because we're not good enough. It's our un- unqualification that yeah. qualifies us, you know, to walk in, in, in God's blessing, right, in, in, in his purpose. But otherwise we can stand and boast about, oh, look what I did, yeah. you know, and, and, the, you know God, and take the credit for what mm-hmm. God's doing. And and that's the way I see it, right? Like the more broken I am, the more amazed I am how God can use me. Wow. And uh, and that's the thing that really stands with me. It's so true. And I know there's people out there that are hearing Sean talk right now and you're feeling unqualified um, or like Sean said, how can God use me? I remember Deidre sharing her story, uh, her testimony uh, coming to faith where she actually prayed a prayer for Jesus not to come into her life because she thought she had to be good enough. And her heart started to pound at a service. And the pastor said, you don't need to be at any stage anywhere. You just need to come to Jesus and walk with him Amen. and he will do the work. And it is so true when we just surrender ourselves and, and, when God has us at a place where we need his dependency and we realize and come to the revelation um, of his love um, and his grace that we can't do it in our own strength anymore, but we can do all things in Christ and rely on him Amen. and God can work with our heart. <laughs> but sometimes we have to run into the wall a bunch of times before we get there. Amen. So Sean, I just, I'm so encouraged, and I know there's people out there that are encouraged. Would you mind uh, praying um, for people out there? And yeah, I would love to. Let's do that. Father God, we come to you in the mighty name of your Son Jesus Christ, and we just want to praise you and worship you because there is no God like you. There is none, none out there like you, and Lord that you want to have a relationship with me and with every person listening to this podcast, that just blows me away. 
Lord, I just want to pray and lift up every single person who's listening who might be moved by this message. Um, Lord, that you would do a work in their heart. Would you soften up hearts? Would you open up hearts to opportunities that where people would just realize that you honestly want to have a loving relationship with them? And I want to pray that these people listening would give you, Lord, a chance to, to show themselves to show yourself to them in their lives by opening up their hearts to you. Lord, I pray for every single person who is walking through a very difficult time right now, that, Lord, all it is 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 an opportunity for you to do something spectacular in their lives. And I want to ask you, Father, give them the boldness, the, the courage, Lord, give them the strength that it will require to be able to do that. And uh, I know, Lord, when you're given an opportunity, you don't miss out on that. You would really use that opportunity because I've seen it so many times in my life and so many times in so many friends. We just thank you, Lord, that we get to do this, um, this incredible work. And uh, we look forward, Father, one day when we come back into your presence uh, in heaven uh, to be able to sit at your feet and, and and hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, I just uh, I, I welcome that day when it comes. Uh, Father, we thank you again for Brody and for this podcast and for the beautiful work that he's doing in the ministry. And uh, Lord, we just thank you and ask you for a, a blessing upon this ministry, uh, that you would bless them and lift them up and take care of every single need. Thank you so much again. We ask you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sean, for uh, coming and sharing your story with everyone. Uh, Guys, if you are so inspired and love stories like this, I'm going to post in the link IamSecond.com. If you haven't checked it out, it's www.IamSecond.com. They're on YouTube, they're on Instagram, and there is so many inspiring stories that you can listen to or you can share with others. They will bring you great hope. Yeah. Also, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast on the Toddcast <laughs> that Sean was on, he also shares stories locally across Canada um, of people's stories of hope and how God has changed their life. Mm-hmm. I also will post that uh, in the comments. And I will be back soon. Hopefully now we will be shooting more podcasts coming up as Deidre and I are moving up to Northern Ontario. So keep an eye out for a new podcast and we will talk to you guys soon and continue to live a life on fire.